You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Here goes that recording. All right, and we should be good to go. Welcome. Thank you once again for hanging out with us. This is the IT and the D show. We have made it all the way to episode 361. This is uh, all recording live from our uh, pandemic quarantine houses. This is Bob the Sales Guy. That is Dave the Geek. Randy, I do the Twitters. Is doing the Twitters. You can find us online, itinthed.com. Do us a favor. Give us a like on the socials and subscribe to us everywhere. Fine podcasts are sold. Well, and uh, you know the rules. Uh, yeah, we don't, we're not having any events yet. Uh, we, we would love to be having events, but but we're not having events yet. Uh, so that's just where that is. And as soon as we can, and we will, uh, you'll be, well, I mean, you'll be the first few hundred to know. We'll see. <laughs> and uh, we, once again, are joined. Um, this you, you have won our favorite guest of uh, all time award, by the way, Mr. Mr. Fred. Um, but we are joined by the illustrious one, the man, the myth, the legend, the, 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 what is it? The reason, the voice of reason in this COVID, in these, uh, in these trying times, uh, Mr. Fred Brown. How are you, sir? Great. Great. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Great to be back. Is, uh, are you, have you stopped saying that, by the way, in these, uh, chal- in these challenging times? The new normal. This is, I swear, if I get one more LinkedIn request going, how are you? How are you within these challenging times? How is your family? How are you operationally know? adapting to? Yeah, uh, right. yeah. yeah. You should have called me in March. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, we've we've already made all those decisions. Thanks so much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, but yeah, no. So we are we we brought Fred Brack uh, because well, obviously uh, we want to scare that hell out of everybody again. Uh, and I want to get messages all night about how much people are going to be forced to drink, uh, after listening to them. So, I mean, it, but it is, I mean, these, these are hands down some of the most level headed, um, and informative sessions, uh, that, that I've seen. Uh, and I hear that from a lot of people as well. Uh, and so it's phenomenal. So yeah, we've, uh, figured, you know, we're going to walk through, uh, we were going to talk about like, you know, the efficiency of different kinds of masks and talk about, you know, some of the long-term effects that are out there. And of course the hot topic about schools opening, got some questions that people threw in in advance. Um, and yeah, so uh, let's see. We can uh, we can we can do what we want to do. Beautiful. I, I have I have some stuff, but why don't we talk? Uh, and uh, we can certainly um, go through it if you want, or we can go to the questions first. Whatever you prefer. Well, I guess yeah. Let's 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 hit a couple questions uh, just to keep it just to keep it simple. Because then I know once we dive in, we we tend to lose ourselves. Um, so I, I guess uh, talk to me about uh, Russia's announcement uh, that they've landed on a vaccine. Um, but aren't providing uh, proof of any results or testing or anything. I mean, is 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 the COVID vaccine like the new space race? Like, is is that where we are? Well, it, it is a little bit. It is a little bit, uh, to tell you the truth. Uh, the, the Russians are very good at pharmaceuticals, as are the Chinese. Uh, uh, probably the, the, the Chinese are second only to us in terms of, of R&D uh, expenditures uh, and, uh, and capabilities. And Russia has a very good manufacturing capability. So, you know, they do have a lot of credibility in the space. And they thought that, I think, you know, that uh, they, they could be one of the leaders uh, in the space and kind of regain uh, some, of their, some of their power in the, in, in the space. Um, the Russian vaccine is interesting. They decided to uh, use 
uh, an identifier vac uh, vector, which we have uh, in spades. Uh, they uh, are at phase two, really, of our clinical trial phase. So what, we, what each of these vaccines do is they go through three phases of clinical trial. The first phase is actually testing healthy subjects. So we go to prisons and pay people to take drugs who are who are uh, very healthy and young, and and uh, and we see whether there are any bad effects. So that that's sort of the first safety test. That you know, usually if uh, usually that's a, a you know kind of fifty to a couple hundred patients, maybe a hundred patients. Um, and this time we had about fifty patients in each. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, fifty patients in each each cohort. One was a placebo, one was a regular, and it turned out all of our vaccines were pretty safe. Um, and the Russians also found their vaccine is pretty safe. And that's not surprising because they're using a known adenovirus, and they're, and they're also the kinds of uh, viruses that they're using are actually common cold viruses that they hope collectively will give them a something against COVID. And there is suggestive evidence that common cold does give us about some up to about 30% um, uh, it, a better response to COVID uh, than if you haven't had this, these common colds gotcha. uh, uh, that are also coronavirus. Then you go to phase two. Phase two is dosing. You want to figure out how big the dose is. And a lot of the uh, a, a lot of the trials are right now in phase two. I think there are 27 phase, uh, uh, trials in phase two right now. There are eight, though, that are in phase three. By the time you get to phase three, you're testing a lot of people. The Russian virus is not at phase three. We actually, uh, two of ours actually are in phase three, and three of the, uh, oh, sorry, four of the Chinese are in phase, uh, phase three. So it gives you a sense. The challenge of the Chinese ones is, that they have a b- very bad side effect. Ten uh, percent of people <laughs> doesn't every drug. <laughs> That's not diarrhea. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's okay if it's like you know zero point zero zero one percent of the population, but this is over ten percent of the population. Just like they, they people just kind of have full blown COVID for a few days. It's not, not a good situation. So you don't really want to get the Chinese virus uh, 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 vaccine. Um, uh, but the viruses, the the vaccines that uh, I, I'm actually working on. We are doing pretty well. Uh, manufacturing scale-up is going to be a challenge. Uh, and the answer about the Russian vi- vi- vaccine is that it's not nearly as developed as ours are. It's not going to be nearly as good as ours are. And I would wait uh, if, I, if I were you. Now, the challenge of the, of the vaccines is in phase three, we actually have to test 30,000 people. And that's a lot of people. Right now, Moderna's up about 4,700, 4,800. Um, Pfizer's up at about 27,800 uh, enrolled. And now half of those patients are going to get placebo, right? They're going to get nothing, just water. Half of them are going to get the vaccine. And then what you do is you, is you send everybody out and say, go forth and see what happens. And so... <laughs> that, that just seems so... I mean, like, I understand that's how it works, but that just seems so bizarre. And after six months... Then you kind of take a poll and you say, hey, how are you doing? And they say, oh, man, I'm sick as all get out. I think I got COVID. And they say, sure enough, you got COVID. And then you look and you say, ah, that's the guy with the vaccine. Shoot. Or that's the guy without the vaccine. Ah, you know. And so you can find out who's been who's been vaccinated, who hasn't been vaccinated. And we're expecting uh, in our first round that the vaccine will probably be about 50% effective. Now, so suppose you got 30,000 people, right? And, you're, and, you, and, and you got 15,000 of them with the vaccine, 15,000 of them. Now, originally, Michigan had an 8.5% infection rate. So a lot of people planned to vaccinate Michigan because we had a big outbreak. That was a few months ago. Well, now we're down at 2.4%. So if you do the math, all you're going to get is about 150 patients who've had the vaccine who will get sick. 
and there'll be about 300 who, who haven't had the vaccine who will get sick. Right. And that's about it. And so if you throw in a couple of adverse events in there and kind of, and then you kind of say, well, is it good for people who are older? Is it, is there any ethnic ethnicity issues we've got? Uh, what about uh, uh, people with diabetes and health issues? All of a sudden you're, you know, the number of people you're looking at in each of those categories is really tiny. So the trick is to be in an area with huge outbreak. And that's the problem the Chinese have right now. They don't have an outbreak. So they're having to go out <laughs> to Saudi Arabia, places that have, you know. Is, isn't that ironic? So it's sort of interesting how, how this whole thing manifests itself. Luckily, we got a big outbreaks. So we, you know, we can go to California, we can go to Texas, Florida. Yeah, basically, any, pick your southern state. Yeah, just pick one. Yeah. That, that's right. So, so you know, we're, we're actually in good shape for testing our stuff. And so we're doing manufacturing scale up right now. It's going, it's a challenge because we're going kind of going from, you know, 30,000 vaccines to 10, tens of thousands of vaccines to billions of vaccines. And that's a big scale of challenge. And, uh, you know, everything has to change. All your right. manufacturing controls change. There's lots of inspection that's required. So unless the FDA kind of cuts people a break, we're going to, we're probably not going to see that kind of scale for public use, you know, broad public use probably till the end of next year. Gotcha. Hey, Fred. Are they making decisions as like an insurance company does or actuaries where, no, and I'm not being, I'm not being funny, but it's, but like, but there's, there's a, there's a cost and a bet. My point is the hot topic right now is, is it, is it cheaper to fix, you know, just pay the lawsuits than fix the gas tanks? Yeah. Yeah. Right. But you know, the, the hot topic around uh, my area is uh, football got canceled, right? In Rochester schools, Rochester schools and Avenue schools. But the problem was like, they haven't seen any deaths, but the, they, four kids just OD'd and, and passed away, unfortunately. So, like, the parents or everyone that was, like, playing or that was practicing all summer going, hey, we haven't had any sicknesses. The the ramp-ups are uh, for suicide and for drug overdoses and whatnot is through the roof. What Like, who's making these decisions where we're canceling things that people are, you know, not saying they keep them sane, but, yeah, there's a lot of things in life that keep them sane. And, like, for kids, playing football is one of them. Um, I guess where the do you know where these decisions like is there somebody sitting in an office going well we need to shut it down all, no matter what or or what's uh, I guess I guess walk me through that if you, if you even know. So uh, I, I I don't I, I don't know <laughs> actually how, how the decisions are being made. Um, I, I I'm on a couple of different committees that 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 make recommendations about closures or openings. Uh, and what we do is we kind of look at a few different things. Number one is, you know, how bad is, is the COVID level in the environment generally? If the COVID levels are pretty high in the environment, you're going to, you're pretty assured of having some transmission. And what's interesting is that actually Georgia Tech did a big study and they actually, you can actually say, you know, here's my level of transmission and percentage of virus I've got in the area. Here's how many people I want to involve, you know, and you go 10, 20, 50, 100. And, and then it'll actually tell you, here's my percent chance of getting COVID. <laughs> and you in a lot of these Southern states, you've got, you know, 25% positive rates and you got like, you, you see 10 people, you're going to get, you're going to get COVID. Uh, so, uh, and if you got, you know, people coming into a huddle and, and you know, breathing on each other, you're going to get COVID so that, you know, the, the question, so the question isn't. Well, that's the, um, that's that, been the rationale behind keeping the gyms closed. Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, gyms are, gyms are, ch- are challenging. Um, you will say, because, um, you know, the, uh, you're breathing hard. And so it's, it's very hard to keep your mask on unless you back off. And of course, people are in the gym to work out. They don't want to back off. So, uh, usually healthcare people will say, don't, don't take your mask off. Just back off the exercise. And well, uh, they, they don't do that. And so they take their mask off. And that's, so that's why we have only about 40% adherence in gyms right now of, of mask wearing. Um, 
So I don't know how the decisions are made. Uh, It varies actually from place to place and person to person because you want to kind of figure out, here's my level of COVID. Here's, Here's the activity I'm doing. Here's how dangerous. Here's how dangerous that activity is. You know, if, if you're getting people close together and um, and then breathing hard, and then finally, uh, what's my own personal risk level? And so you got to evaluate all three of those things to make a decision. And the personal risk level is one that you make. Uh, you know, as, as an individual, uh, you're right about the about about depression. Uh, depression is really up, and it's sad that, uh, where we see the highest levels of depression where we actually register this with the CDC is with with we don't look at people below 18, but 18 to 25 year olds have about an 80 percent depression rate right now. And I'm not just talking about you know kind of being sad, or I'm talking about being suicidal, thinking about, um, you know, uh, you know, having, having, you know, troubled thoughts, uh, you know, for, for a long period of time and actually needing medicine to, 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 to cure it. So, uh, and uh, so, so that's our biggest area of concern for the young people right now. And, you know, with the drug, drug use rate is up by 15%, drinking is up by 20%. Uh, we've got, you know, 30% of the population uh, suffering from depression, uh, uh, sorry, of, of, of from anxiety and 20% uh, suffering from, you know, de- depression. And of those, by far, the youngest ones, and you can see what's interesting is they've actually done studies and you can see the drop off, you know, from uh, you know, 18 to 25 highest levels of depression. Then it goes down a little bit until you get 40. And then it goes down quite a bit after you're over 60, which is sort of interesting because people over 60 are the ones who are most likely to die. Uh, and the ones who are uh, on, on, under 60 are actually having the most trouble socializing. And uh, so the social, it, it's, a, it's a hard trade-off to make. You're right. I'd like to hope they're taking all those things into consideration. Um, you know, I, I just wanted to, that was kind of my parting shot, which is, well, you know, because it's, it's scary. It really is when you, when just when you, that, that one, um, that OD case that was local really hit home with a lot of people because there, there were a lot of close to a lot of uh, families here. So, yeah, uh, I, I hear you. And, I, I, you know, we'll go into some of the school questions as well. And a lot of, Schools are responsible for nutrition. They're responsible for allowing people to go back to work. Uh, and so it's a huge social issue. Um, and uh, the, the, what's what's sad about this is, um, you know, about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, uh, there were a whole group of healthcare experts who said, you know, if we were, all, and this is true about me too, if we were all alone in the world, didn't have a, you know, a presidential election coming forward, we probably would recommend to the government to shut down again uh, and really try to get down to, you know, what they call, you know, four uh, two weeks of four people in a hundred thousand having the disease. And right now we're, we're you know, literally not, not even close. <laughs> Wait, we're, we're, we're off by 25, 25 fold. So, There'd be a lot of people fine with the uh, government shutting down just in general. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, but Hey, so the, the socialization question. So I, I got hit with this one quite a bit because there's a, there's a big con, um, it, tens of thousands of people uh, scheduled that's still on the books out here for the end of October. And they're basically having the same problem that every con has had this year. Uh, you know, our friends at PenguinCon dealt with it. Uh, you know, Motor City dealt with it. Cherry Capital, Monroe. Um, we're basically, they're stuck in a holding pattern uh, because of contracts and everything else with the hotels and the vendors and the suppliers and everything else. Like un- until like basically unless Whitmer comes down and says, hey, b- gatherings are banned through at least, you know, the end of October or, you know, into November, they're kind of screwed uh, because, you know, the, if, if, if the if the con itself pulls out, 
they're on the hook for you know everything and all the dollars and everything else and all the penalties. Um, whereas if you know they can invoke the force majeure clause and get idea and everything gets out. So I guess on like like what's what's your gut kind of tell you about you know how things are going to be looking towards the end of October and 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 more importantly like when do you think it's because re- I I get it you know we all know it's a business um you know and and hotels and convention centers you know all all have their own bottom lines and stuff to deal with but like when is it like when does it stop being responsible to keep people on the books you know for you know for a gathering of tens of thousands of people so uh, there's no way it'll happen. Okay, then. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they, they have to cancel it. Um, here's why. What, what we have to decide as a society is where we want to put our chips, right? Right. So if we want to open a lot of schools, uh, you're going to have to make a decision about whether you want to go to the con or whether you want to go and have the schools open. Well, I think I think we talked about that the first time you were on. Like, hey, do you want to go see a baseball game? Or do you want people making cars? Like, which which you can't have both. <laughs> which which one do you want? I want both. Right. <laughs> well, well, here's what's going. To, so what's what's interesting about that is um, we're going to have a really really bad November, December, January. Really really bad. I'm I'm, I'm not talking about what, what what April April looked like. We're talking about something that probably is twice that, twice as bad as that. So kind of I mean I, I guess just looking back, I mean sort of like that second Spanish flu wave then. Oh yeah, and, and we're gonna. What's gonna happen is well, and I'll, I'll show you that on some slides in, in a little while. But you know what we're worried about as as modelers is what what the what the curve looks like, right? And right now we're at a plateau, we're at a high plateau, but it's flat, right? Which is great, and it's coming down a little bit, which is great. And so we think this that's going to plateau out, and October is going to start the next wave. And by by the time it'll be sort of late October, early November when you, when you start the next wave, and by Thanksgiving and Christmas it's going to be overwhelming. And so uh, you say you say over, right? You just said over, right? (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, Bob. This this is not the time. Yeah, this is not the this is not the time to have your husband ears on, Bob. This is this is. Yeah, do do go out to the bar every night. Got it, babe. Got to do it. Well, and I guess, you know, and that's that's the other big one, you know, thinking about it, like, you know, the end of October. I mean, you know, you got Halloween, you got, you know, the kids are going to want to go out. and But do you really want the kids going out to get candy from random houses and and all that kind of stuff? It's not I hate to say it, but it's really not going to happen. You know, don't plan on it. Uh, it's sort of sad because you know these these personal smaller smaller activities are actually we see an awful lot of transmission. You know, weddings, funerals, uh, parties, private parties, graduation parties. You know, celebrations uh, of various kinds because people feel comfortable and they start taking off their masks and they start saying, yep. "Oh, you know, how are you doing?" and the, and music is playing, so you have to get pretty close. You put, you're, and you're going to be you know shouting uh, to hear and, and listening closely uh, in order to see your old friends. And uh, that's how the transitions really happen. So a lot of these super spreading events are actually these, you know, smaller events actually that suddenly become super spreading because people let the guard down. So to- yeah, one of our one of our one of our viewers is you know Halloween is canceled. <laughs> Thanksgiving's canceled. Christmas is canceled. <laughs> and, and, and school will be over for about two weeks to cancel that too. <laughs> well, yeah, because yeah. I mean it is, and and that's and I and, and I've seen it. You know, the even the um, you know, and that's you know, everybody's all you know angry about you know bars and restaurants and that kind of stuff. But I mean, I've seen it. You know, you hang out in a bar, you have a couple drinks, 
you you get a little bit more lax about stuff. Like, you know, because, you, you know, you get a couple drinks and you, you want to hug everybody when they show up. You want to, you know, so you find somebody to go hang in the corner with after enough drinks, you know, that. So, I mean, I, and so it is. It's, you know, when it's people get lulled into a kind of a false and secure of security when they're around friends and family. Um, and, and that, yeah, like you were saying, that tends to be where the risks happen. Like, you know, my niece, uh, just had to cancel her wedding, uh, you know, and basically, you know, put it off and they're going to do a celebration next year. It was supposed to be in a few weeks. Um, one of our engineers just had to do the same thing. That was supposed to be the week before my nieces. Uh, so I mean, it's, it, it, yeah, it's, it's not pretty, but it's reality right now. And, and the, the real problem is, Bob, you mentioned, you know, what, what is responsible? The problem is that 40% of people are asymptomatic. They have no idea they have it. They can go through temperature screens uh, uh, without, without you know, going, you know, setting off any alarms. Uh, and that's one of our key uh, screening pr- procedures. They don't have temperatures over 100.4 degrees. And so 40% of the people are walking around and you're, they're your friends and you think everything, and they're looking, they're looking great. And the problem is they can give you the virus just as easily as someone who's super sick at a hospital can. Uh, and you could have a really bad event. Uh, and uh, we just don't, and uh, we just don't know enough yet. We're starting. There are some studies right now. One on Stanford, one on Harvard. They're trying. They have five. Stanford found three biomarkers. Harvard found five biomarkers where they think they can actually tell whether you're going to, you know, do well or not so well once you have the disease. And that's really important if we if we can tell who's going to have a hard time or not. Well, yeah, because I mean, it, it it all comes down to that. Okay, what what's my risk profile? I mean, that's that's the biggest thing that I think everybody. It is the most concerned about is, you know, because I mean, that's that's the that's truly the the random wild card is people that you would think would keel over after getting this are coming through fine. People that have been perfectly healthy and young have knocked over dead. I mean, it's it's just. Yeah. Yeah, if you're older, you, you, chances are you're you're going to have a, a worse, a, a, a much worse attack. But uh, it's it is it is a little bit on the random side. Uh, for example, uh, one of our, our family members. um Never felt like like they had COVID, uh, and uh, suddenly came down with Guillain Barre syndrome, which uh, paralyzed him. Uh, he can't walk, can't talk, he can't uh, move, uh, and uh, turns out he has COVID antibodies. And uh, we think that the, that the COVID antibodies actually demyelinated some of his uh, his nerves. He's having to re, re, relearn how to eat, eat and wow. uh, and relearn how to walk. <laughs> so, I was playing tennis at a, at a master's level uh, two weeks ago. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, I mean, so, it's, it's that it's that random. So I had about four, di- and I, I was I guess I'm I, I was kind of surprised that that this was going to be such a hot you know topic for questions, but I guess it's a big issue. Um, I, I guess talk about HVAC systems. Um, wow. you know, what, what should people be doing? What, I, you know, I've got, you know, one guy that chimed in that said, Hey, should I be putting an air purifier in my office? Um, I got another one that chimed in and said, uh, my building guy says it's better and healthier if I keep the building at 79 degrees. I, so, you know, I, you know, I, you know, and, and should they be putting, you know, UV lighting anywhere, you know, so I, I guess, well, you know, what's your take on, on that whole issue? Yeah. So, um, HVAC systems, a couple things. Number, number one, um, the more humid it is, uh, the better it is to reduce aerosols. So if you can keep the, 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 the humidity levels relatively high, uh, what happens is the uh, aerosols start to agglomerate and become droplets ra- rather than, uh, rather than uh, small aerosols that stay in the, in the air for, for longer and longer periods. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, Bob, wasn't it a few months ago we wound up talking about those guys that had the, uh, the cough drops that basically put like either flour or baking soda or, you know, some, something thick and heavy in the lozenge so that if you did cough, it made it fall to the ground right away. 
I don't remember that at all. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> that's interesting. Uh, so that, 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 that's one, one thing is if you can make it a little bit more humid, it's better. If it's drier, chances are you're going to have more aerosols in the air that stay in the, up in the air longer and are continually be, being effective, uh, effective, and they'll be smaller, so they'll be able to get through masks more easily. Uh, second big a- area is the, the direction of the flow. Do not stand in the middle of the air conditioning downflow. You know, uh, uh, you know, if you're getting blown across, uh, that that's not a good thing, especially if you're but, facing somebody. But that's where it's the most comfortable. Them. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if, they're, if they're talking and they've got airflow coming at you, <laughs> you know, uh, boo! <laughs> don't 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 face them and and, and stay in that airflow. Um, third, there are UVC light systems. It's a it's a, it's a you know a type of UV light that that can uh, uh, start to kill uh, the, the 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 virus. They're not terribly effective. Yes, what, yes, what, Mr. Flanagan. Moist is good. Just we got another <laughs> comment. To, yes, that's that, thanks, thanks, thanks for pointing uh, that out to us. Yeah, the most important, the the most, <laughs> the most important uh, kind of thing we're finding out right now is that laminar. So in, in the lab, what we do is we, we use laminar flow technology. Mm-hmm. Try to push the 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 the, the, the viruses in, in in a direction. The best laminar flow actually comes straight down and forms a curtain around. Mm-hmm. It pushes you down. So air handling units that do that are generally better uh, than, than ones that push across the uh, push across. So a uh, couple of things. The first thing that is that there was a huge outbreak in Korea and they were wondering why is there a big outbreak in Korea? All of these, all of our people are wearing masks. Everyone, everyone's always masked. Why are we having the outbreak? It turned out that they had their air conditioning on uh, recirculate. So they were recirculating a lot of the air over and over again, rather than come bringing it in from the outside, save money. Uh, and we, what they found was their HEPA filters are full of virus, all their intake uh, valves, uh, all their intake air areas are full of virus. So you have to change the HEPA filters and you have to change uh, and, and clean the intake and outtake uh, areas regularly, or you can, exp- and, and uh, that probably means daily, by the way, not, not on, on, on the cleaning. On the HEPA filter, uh, you know, you want to, you want to, uh, do that pr- pretty often. What was it? Uh, I'll show you one slide where we actually, um, uh, so, so, uh, University of Florida actually looked at hospital rooms. Now, hospital rooms have some of the best type of filtration. Mm-hmm. They have some of the best uh, exchange systems in the world. They thought they had this right. They were exchanging, they were exchanging uh, 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 the air six times an hour, which is quite a bit. Um, and uh, they still found significant, I mean, significant concentrations of aerosol virus in the air, despite having a UV system, despite having chain type of filters, and despite having um, uh, six, six changes from the outside air every hour. They still found enough virus to, uh, for the, the patients next to each other in the same room to get sick. Uh, and... So it, this is a tough, tough virus. Speaking of, I, somebody said something to me uh, during one of the shows last night, uh, or actually before one of the shows last night. She's thinking about uh, hopping on a plane. And I can't remember which airline it is, but she said she was doing her research, and one of the airlines she was looking at said that they are now uh, bringing in fresh air to the plane so that you're not flying in a big, you know, giant tube of recycling. I, I, I got to get like an air per, I got to get like an uh, like an airline person on here to explain to me like what are they cracking open a window like are they <laughs> <laughs> so there are four big airliners in the in the country full disclosure I am working with one of them uh, to see whether we can re- uh, you know reduce the amount of COVID transmission that occurs in planes it's it's very very difficult we're just starting the studies uh, we've got you know eight different areas of investigation that we're starting on. Uh, everything from passenger screening up front to embarkation, de- disembarkation. Uh, and the way they do this is they actually have 
uh, they, they suck in about 50% of the oxygen from the outside. Now, when the airline is airplane is running, that works pretty well. So you've got you've got quite a bit of fil filtration and outside new air coming in. The problem is actually is at the gate and at taxi because you don't have uh, the, the the jet engine uh, running. And so we're looking at ways of of changing that so we have the same level of outside air filtration uh, at, at gates and at taxi as we do in air. That's a challenge. We're also looking at the filters. We're looking at clean uh, we're looking at aerosolization. We're looking at distancing. We're, you know, all, all these different areas, uh, uh, and it's just very, very challenging. What, what was interesting was that it looks like masks are are are, are pretty effective um, if you can get them fit right, and 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 uh, and uh, if you can get the right kind of material on them. Obviously, you know, N95 masks are best. So I mean, I guess, so I guess the moral of the story is. HVAC is HVAC, and it, there, there's no perfect answer for them right now. Um, no, the HVAC is not HVAC. I'm sorry, I should have made that clear. The HEPA filtration. If you're at a MERV, if you're below MERV 17, you got to go to HEPA filtration. You know, uh, if you can, okay. if, you, if your if your machinery can can handle it. What happens is, of course, the HEPA filtration is a lot heavier on the on the on, on the, the drag. Board. Yep. So there's a lot, a lot more back pressure, and it'll, it, it can destroy your equipment. So you want to make sure that you're that you're set for HEPA filtration. Uh, you also want to see if you can get the UV uh, systems in 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 place without uh, significant retrofitting and changing of the uh, of, of the of the ventilation systems. You want to have a, a lot of outside air mixture, even though it's going to be more expensive. If you can open windows, open windows, uh, but uh, uh, and try to keep. Um, to try to don't don't face people in the office space. Um, you, you usually, we think six feet is enough uh, space. Uh, the more, the better. Uh, right on that. And uh, it, you, you want to wash your hands every hour, uh, and you want to disinfect every hour if you can. Constant wipe down. Right. No, not not just with wipes. Really get the thing wet uh, and and let it let it let it dry and then wipe it off. So and I had somebody chime in uh, and and she says, "Look, this may be a dumb question, uh, but she's going to ask it anyway, so I'll leave her name off of it." Um, it does it does it, is is being in areas uh, with lots of indoor plants any good or of any benefit? Like, do plants help this at all? Uh, not to my knowledge. Uh, it, 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 it helps with increased ox oxygenation because they fix, you know, obviously they, 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 they breathe out oxygen, which is, which is great. Uh, but uh, no, uh, unfortunately, um, plants won't, won't, won't help the situation. Um, trying to, try to uh, think if they would even hurt the situation, they could become, you know, uh, you know, it, it, they could become attractants for, for, for droplets. So gotcha. hopefully your, your plant person is, uh, is, is protected. Hey, Fred. Yes. Something that's been happening that's kind of alarming to me is that the media is not necessarily writing hit pieces, but they're taking like loose information and kind of pinpointing so and so company, you know, and it's so, and it's like cases from back from March. And it's, you know, I don't know, it's, it's not fair to the, like, we've seen a few of them now. And, you know, then they're doubling down on them again. And it's almost like, I don't want to say it's lazy journalism, right? But at the same token, like these look like flat out like hit pieces when you read the article. Is is there any recourse to that? I mean, what you know, what can what can you say or do other than saying, "Hey, I'm doing everything I can" as a company? Yeah, you know. So the the, the truth is that um, we, we only spend eight hours a day or so in, in our company. So uh, we there's a lot of other places to get coronavirus. Uh, you know, in the transit there at your at your home. Mm -hmm. uh, out, out in, the, in the shopping center. So it's hard to actually pinpoint that the, uh, 
particular uh, virus came directly from the from uh, from uh, wor- the workplace. The only way to do that is actually do a, a genetic study, uh, and there is I'll show you this the case in in Florida where they actually traced precisely you know from one patient to the next patient where the virus came from. So it's almost well, they, impossible to actually say it came from this this this. this they stuff. did it at that one bar right in East Lansing. It seems like there, there's only been a few, a handful, but they, it seems like when they double down on it and then you have people from that bar, from that company that like, you know, they don't let their kids in daycare and like, it's, it's just, it's bad. Like what, what they're the, the I don't think, I don't know if the media understands the, the, the snowball effect that occurs when they write, when they write these kind of pieces. Yeah. And a part of the problem is that um, what, what's a little bit different from this, this virus is that normally if you have the, if you have the, the flu, uh, you know, you know what the transmission rate is. It, it'll be one to 1.25 and it, it, it flows pretty, pretty naturally. You know, one person gets to 1.25 people and so on. In this case, what they have the P, what they call the P value is very, very low. It's 0.1, which means that 80% of the cases are spread by only 10% of the people. So, and we don't know really what causes the super spreader events, whether it's, whether it's a person, a location, or an activity. We don't have enough information yet uh, to actually un- understand what, what what really drives super spreading events. And so, it's unfair to say uh, frequently, as you point out, oh, this 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 became a super spreading event. That's Right now, we, we we don't we know a little bit, and I'll call, uh, but it's also suggested we haven't done any real quantitative trials because we're not testing enough to figure that out. Frankly, we don't we don't yeah. know. Well, we've uh, we've got someone who wants you to uh, throw your hat in the ring. Uh, I mean, it's a little bit late, but uh, you know, for a presidential bid, Fred, just thought I'd let you know. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I yeah. I don't think any of us want to live our lives under that microscope. No, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really thankless job right now. After we figure everything out, then I'll I'll be happy to. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I guess another thing that kind of threw me a curveball, too, is you had a couple famous people over the last couple of weeks test positive, um, like the quarterback for the Lions and the governor of Ohio. And then they went in and tested five more times. They're like, oopsie. Right. And that's kind of what the ending of it was. And they go, we're okay. But yeah. like, so, I mean, Hey, how- just, just keep testing until you get the result you wanted. That's, right. that's, <laughs> you remember president Trump saying, well, I get tested like a million times a day, but they're using antigen tests and these antigen tests aren't as, as powerful that they're, they're fast, which is great. So you test a lot of people fast, but they're not as accurate. Uh, they're, they're only about 70% accurate. So if you really do the math, you have to test yourself three times, to really be sure whether you've got a negative or positive. Uh, so, you, you know, if you, if you got one of those fast tests uh, and you got a, uh, initially came in, you know, negative, you may want to test yourself a couple more times. That, um, goes back to the, that goes back to the business comment, though. It's like, comes out that Stafford's positive. His wife goes through holy hell at the supermarket and at the whatever, wherever she goes. And then it ends up he's fine. But then people are still probably two steps away from her, them. Well, yeah, because, dude, nobody reads a retraction. Nobody reads right. a follow-up right. piece, yeah. They still think he's got the Rona, and, you know, he's yeah. fine. So I guess the question is, well, how, out of everyone that gets tested that's positive, like the false positive ratio, like how how much is that a thing? Is that even – or is it even – are they keeping track of that? Is that, is that a – Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we watch false positives really carefully. Uh, uh, and the – not nearly as careful, though, as false negatives. Uh, false positives, what happens is you kind of go in and you say, okay, I've got to isolate for a little while, and then you can't take another test. It's a PCR, which is a much more, uh, much more 
uh, accurate test. You say, oh, it turns out it it turns out I'm negative after all. Everything's wonderful. But if you're a false negative, then you got problems, right? So you can tune these tests to be uh, highly sensitive and not very specific or highly specific and not very sensitive, which means you can tune them to either show a lot more false positives uh, in order to prevent a false negative, which is what we do in this case, because false negatives are much more dangerous. Right. Suppose the governor of Ohio had had said, I am, everything's great, breathed all over President Trump when he came in, and then it turns out, oh, shoot, I, I, it was a false negative. I, I this close. Then you got a serious situation. So we've tuned these tests so that we, we have a lot more false positives than false negatives, purposely. Uh, because we want to avoid that. And so, you know, we cancel one event, but I'm sure that President Trump will come back to Ohio and be able to see the governor, you know, yeah. again. But like, but no, yeah. but also on the, on the flip side of that, sorry, Dave. Uh, yeah, no. But on the flip side of that, you had, I know people that uh, were homesick, had to have been the Rona, the way the symptoms showed, and I basically said, don't come in, don't see your doctor, don't come in the hospital until your lips are blue. So they, they couldn't test. They're not a number. They're not a statistic now, but they hadn't went through it. You know, Dave probably hadn't went through it, but that was before this was a thing right back in November, December. So, I mean that, you know, again, for as many false positives now you're having the other side too. Like, again, that's, and, and they wonder why we're all confused and going crazy and drinking. And and you know what the real problem is? We're not testing. We don't have enough tests, you know, out there still, Oh, not even close. I mean, I hate to say this, but we should, you know, so if we were doing this, if we were doing this right, um, you know, as far as testing goes, we'd have a we'd have a simple test. You'd be able to spit on basically into a te- detector that was on your mobile phone, and every every day you'd get up in the morning and spit in the in your detector. The mobile phone would, would let you know whether you're positive or negative, and be you'll, you'll be eighty five ninety percent accurate. Those tests are in development right now. They're probably about six months away. They'll be all solid state. They won't require re- reagents, uh, and we'll be able and they'll, and the cost literally you know. To reduce the, uh, you know, I've, I've done the math. It's under a dollar a test um, now. You know, then you have to get them out and everything, but it, it'll be at, at below five dollars a test um, in the future. So that will be the future if, uh, if we keep going without vaccines for much longer. So, and then something related, I guess, because this is, you know, it was a, it was a huge topic a few months ago. It's, it's resurfacing as a huge topic now for the opposite reason. Um, you know, a few months ago, everybody was mad because, uh, if you tested, you know, let's say like I tested three times and I was positive all three times, the reports would show that as three positive tests, um, right. as opposed to one individual. And now you're seeing it go the other way where somebody like, okay, like Trump gets tested multiple times, you know, 80 times a day. Are those 80 negatives going, you know, so like, so I guess, so I guess that's the, that's the question is why can't they do, why can't they do a count unique instead of just count? Like, are are there, like, are there HIPAA issues that keep that from happening? Are there there privacy issues that keep that from happening? Yeah, exactly. So basically we had about 800,000 tests a day uh, right now as our capacity has gone down a little bit. We've only done about 600,000 tests over the last couple of weeks, sadly. We're actually going backwards, not forwards on the testing side. And uh, we do, we do double count, triple count. uh, If people, if the same person has had, so basketball players who probably are tested many, many times, uh, a day to get into the bubble in their family, or many times a day to get in and out of the bubbles. Um, they'll, they'll be they'll be double triple counted. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, because that was uh, when everybody's complaining about the test. It was like certain states reported. You know, this is the um, percentage of beds that were used. Right. And this is the percentage of you know yeah. what I mean. And they were like, the, 
it was it was a more accurate picture than just saying three cases. Oh well, that's dude. That's what always that I st- I stopped paying attention to counts a long time ago, and like the like the I think actually it was because of the conversations with Fred. I started paying attention to okay, what are the hospitalization rates? What are the available bed rates? What are the occupied bed rates? Like those are the ones that are kind of like the. Like to me, those are the triggers. Like though, like those. Every muni reported that. I know that's the sad part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's part of the reason they took the the the, the all the reporting away from the CDC because the CDC was asked, "Can you get more data about around each of those tests and availability in the hospitals?" And the CDC said it'll take us, you know, two to three months. And the White House said, "That's too long. We want to we want to have the data sets sent to us, and we will ask the hospitals ourselves." And now, now the hospitals. Are the, the the amount of data? I mean, it's, it's like twenty six pages or something. It's it's a lot of data that they, they are acquiring for each patient. The hospital is getting overwhelmed, um, uh, but we should, you know hopefully a lot of this become automated in the future. But right now, it's 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 we don't have very good data. I, I work with governors and mayors all the time, and you know these are mayors of very major cities. And basically, you say, okay, so what's your positive rate? And they look at you and they say, I got my librarian working on this, Fred. I don't know. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, they have no. I mean, I shouldn't say this, but you know, it's 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 a real problem. It's it's a hard thing to track. It absolutely is. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I, I I think we've 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 babbled, and I know, I know you got oh, some I know you got some slides and stuff you want, that we want to get you through. Why don't I show you some uh, some stuff and see if it's uh, see if it's interesting? Um, I, I I'm pretty sure the answer will be yes. <laughs> <laughs> so here here we are. You know, you got so how. how uh, one of the questions is how do how do you think we're doing in the United States? And we, we um, what do you guys think <laughs> when you look at this graph? What do you what do you think? I, this is uh, this is you can see August seventeenth, twenty twenty, at four thirty seven p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So this is pretty re- pretty pretty real time data. What how do you think we're doing? So you figure I mean five point four million infected. So that's what. Trying to do that math off the top of my head. 328 million people. Yeah. Yeah. So that's ties. So yeah, you're about what? 1.5% ish? Yep. We think that we think probably about 8% of the population uh, in the United States have been infected. Okay. About 8%. So, you know, in order to get to herd immunity, we got to get to close probably to 75%. Right. Uh, true herd immunity. So we got, we got 10 times more of this to go. Hopefully we won't have to do that. And we'll have a vaccine. Uh, we won't have to do it naturally. But that, that gives you a sense of how far along we have to go. So the answer is, we are probably doing, we're not doing very well. I mean, uh, us, India, and Brazil re- represent almost half the cases. And we don't, that, that's not very good company. Is the, um, wow. Hey, Fred, was that 40% nursing home stat? Is that still accurate? Or is yeah. that, was that early and now it's uh, diluted? Um, so the nursing home numbers aren't really that well known. We, um, we were, we're asking for reports on the nursing homes, and a lot of times we're not getting them. So right now, uh, generally the answer I, I, is yes. Uh, you know, there is a problem in nursing homes. There's a bigger problem in prisons, frankly. Uh, but nursing homes are run a close second. Um, so it turns out that if you're a Canadian, you're 25 times less likely to die of COVID than if you're an American. So all I have to do is swim across to Windsor. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I you know. So that's how bad it is, right? I mean, we're talking. And if you're a European, you're ten times less likely to die of this thing than Americans. Well, I mean, ca- Canadians are a lot more polite and and more likely to listen to people. So I mean, there's that. <laughs> 
So that's sort of the U. Uh, that's sort of the U.S. And what's interesting about this is, you know, wh- where do you think it's going to go? So I, I, I'm I'm a modeler. You know, I do a lot of modeling. Uh, what do you think the modelers are thinking right now? So you can sort of see, you know, the trend that went went up and then came you know, back down, plateaued, and then went back up again. Now it's coming back down again. Where, where do you think we're going to be in a couple of months? Uh, given everything I'm seeing, I'm expecting that to go uh, up and to the right. <laughs> can I uh, can I use my canned uh, as soon as it hits November fifth, straight down? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, you know I'm kidding. You know I'm kidding. Yeah. So w- w- when you do the model, you know that con that you're talking about at the end of October is just going to be where you're starting to see the uplift. Right. Uh, it's going to be, I think, so our models right now generally are showing it's going to be stable and slightly downward uh, through September. And then October, it's going to be flat. And, and toward the end of October, it's going to start to go up. November, it's going to go up very, very fast. December, very, very fast. January, very, very fast. Now, so is that, I mean, how much of that is in like to do with or being in conjunction with just the regular flu season hitting? Because, I mean, that's, that's when that's going on as well. That's right. Uh, the biggest problem with the flu season is that we get about two hundred. We we have about two hundred thousand hospitalizations for the flu uh, every year in the United States, and the problem is that it comes between November and March. So we're talking about fifty thousand extra beds you need uh, for flu. And what we know about COVID is that we can handle COVID when you don't have an overwhelming well healthcare system pretty well. But for example, in, in most places when the hospitals can't accept any more patients and you run out of ventilators and so on, then the death rates double to 14, go either between two times and 14 times what they are normally. And that's what we're really worried about in the November season when you, when you get the flu plus COVID in, in an up. In, you know, in an uptick. And the reason that we need so many tests isn't because we can't test enough people generally on average. The problem is that when you have an outbreak, you need about 20 times the, 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 um, the, the level of PPE, between 5 and 20 times the level of PPE. Generally, for masks, about 20 times more uh, PPE is required in an outbreak area than in a normal area. So you, know, you have to get ready for that outbreak. Fred, every, every chart that I see, at least when I'm, you know, and I think it's directly from CDC or I'm not sure where it just shows a huge spike in April and then a small uptick in May and then a huge drop off and then a small uptick around where we are right now. Like yeah. what's this one compared to the one that I see all the time? So this is, this is, um, this <laughs> I'm is, guessing this one is, uh, accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm using the Googles. Man. <laughs> this, is a seven day aver- this is a seven day rolling average. So what that does is it, is it, is it, levels out those ups and downs you were seeing uh, and, and shows the, the, the trend a little bit more clearly than if you just take the daily rates. Because, for example, today we only had 500 deaths in Michigan, uh, but yesterday we had 1,500 deaths. So, you know, if you look yesterday, you say, oh, my God, 1,500 deaths, that's a lot because our, our average is about 800. And then we look today, we say, hey, wow, we solved the problem, right? We're going... <laughs> so the, the, the trick is to do the seven-day average rolling. Otherwise, you're going to get uh, a lot of these discontinuities. In- right. In- oh, see, now it's funny. I just looked it up on, on the Googles and new cases, and it's identical graph. So, yeah, it, it's funny how, you know, then I looked at deaths, and the deaths ones is, is bizarre. It's, it goes up a little bit, and then it's flat for the most part. So the most interesting thing about this graph is that if – uh, most of this graph is driven by the death rates we were having in, in the Northeast, in New York City. If you took, so it, it turns out that in uh, in April, we had that big 
remember we had, you know, New York was just on fire and was really having right. a lot of problems. If you were to take out the decline in deaths in, in New York and Connecticut. Jersey uh, too, right? And Jersey and uh, yeah, the six states, basically, right? Uh, uh, Connecticut, New Jersey, Rhode Island, Massachusetts. So if you took out those states, if you took out uh, the drop off in the death rates, you know what this graph would look like? It would look like a straight upward shot. So what happened was New Jersey, that, that Northeast group had a, a big outbreak and overwhelmed the data from the rest of the country. If you take that data set out and you say, let's just pretend that New York and, 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 and uh, Connecticut were like the rest of the country, what would this, this thing would just look like a, a, a straight up hyperbolic curve. There would be no plateaus. There would be no ups and downs. It would just be straight, basically up. Uh, but because we had that um, outbreak and then a reduction, such a huge reduction in, in deaths and, and, and average case rates um, uh, in, in New York and New Jersey, uh, uh, we, we, we see a plateau and then a slight downward trend. Well, that, you look at New York and New Jersey, there's uh, 50,000 deaths out of the 170, just those two states. That's right. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. So uh, now we are getting a, a true downward curve because now, uh, uh, Arizona starting to come down a little bit. Florida starting to come down to get a, a little bit, uh, and that's going to you know, help us go go down a little bit. But I think you're going to see the same sort of pattern. So end of October, you're going to start to see that 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 climb up again, and then it's just going to go out of sight unless we do something about it in November, December, and January. So now, do you see that? Do you see that being a like an entire national? issue or do you like or do you like do you think we're going to have hot spots again oh it'll be it, it will be hot spots and sadly the hot spots will largely be midwestern i think uh it'll be indianapolis it'll be detroit it'll be chicago and that's because we're going to start to see flu season and cold people are going to want to go back in again in the north um and they'll get drier air they'll get more aerosolization uh as we turn on the heating and, uh, and um, you know, when we get Thanksgiving and, and Christmas travel, it's really going to be a problem. So uh, sadly, I th- think it's going to shift upwards uh, uh, north uh, in, in November. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, and, um, so the, and so that's what we're modeling right now. It turns out that according to Goldman Sachs, um, they, they think that if we were to wear masks uh, when we start, not now that we're going back down a little bit, we would save about 5% of the economy if we were, uh, if 90% of the people wore masks. Right now, we're only about 45, 50% of people wearing masks. Uh, so that's, that, that's sort of a, a great, that's, part of, that's a pretty good payback. The other thing is, if you model this out, um, uh, we, we think that by, by, by Labor Day, we'll be at 200,000 deaths. And that by the end of the year, we'll be at around 300,000 deaths. Um, uh, my my numbers are slightly more than three hundred thousand deaths. The other modelers are slightly less than three hundred thousand deaths, but in that range, um, that's a lot of people. Uh, but if we wear masks, the people who modeled the two hundred seventy eight thousand deaths, that was at three hundred twelve thousand deaths uh, uh, at, at January first. Um, the two seventy eight would go down to two eighteen if we were if we wore masks at a ninety five percent adherence level. So that 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 saves a lot of lives. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about sixty thousand people still alive if people would just wear masks. Yeah, yeah, that that's what the modelers are saying right now, and five percent of the economy. So that that's not a bad deal, you know, if if, if they're right. Now, they're <laughs> always making all sorts of assumptions, and and I and I looked at the assumptions, and they they, they seem 
pretty reasonable, you know, and Goldman Sachs, you know, that, and all of them have, you know, they're all looking at best scenarios, worst scenarios, you know, the, the Monte Carlo simulation. I mean, these are pretty advanced models. So, um, well, I think that's been one of my favorite memes that's been floating around for the last, you know, week or so was, you know, you, you could have had college football, but, you know, you chose Applebee's for the last three months. And so now you get Applebee's and no college football. That's how no it yeah. goes to Applebee's, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> so, so generally, the truth is that we're spending an awful lot more on the virus than anybody else is, and we're not getting our money's worth, uh, and we're dying. Why uh, is that, though? It's because, you know, we're just not very efficient. Uh, when I work with these governors and I work with these um, mayors, they're all having to relearn the same damn stuff. It's really frustrating. You know, if we had, uh, you know, a, a, and I come in and I say, we have to do one, two, three, four, five. And it's a very, you know, kind of, you know, it's very, you know. And, and let me guess, they do one, two, and then five. Well, well <laughs> they actually get to one, two, three, four, five sometimes. Now, there have been some people who haven't followed my advice and uh, they're blowing up, but you know, most of them actually follow the advice. The problem is that you got to do it for every mayor every, every, in every state. And if we had just had sort of a national group that came on and said, you know, here's the answer, do this, um, you know, it would, it would. And so that, and that's what most of the countries that are successful did. They, they, they uh, you know, kind of centralized a lot of the decision making. The, the, the problem is, you know, we got a lot more people than most of these countries, and we're a lot bigger than most of these countries. So we're a lot more diverse in both the geography and the and and the and our healthcare and our well, health. That's that's my like, biggest beef, Fred. Is like, right? oh, look at look at what New Zealand did. It's yeah. like, well, it's an island with four million people. Yeah, they like, yeah they right? fit in one of our smallest states. Yeah, you know, or, or yeah, now Taiwan gets closer, but again, it's an island for God's sake. You know, Korea right. is part of a peninsula, and they're 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 you know, so it's hard to find a, a good. Uh, you know, India's more like us, and they're having a lot of problems. Brazil's more like us; they're having a lot of problems. So you know, you, you can't. Uh, so it, it, it uh, you know, that's why we're pay- paying so much because we're trying to save lives, and it also is is why it's so tough because we're. You know, we're, we're, we're bigger uh, and, and by nature a little bit less centralized than, than, than these smaller countries are. So, that, yes. Speaking, so of New, uh, speaking of New Zealand, Nuri just uh, hopped on the watch party and says hi, everybody. Ah. Hi, Nuri. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, so that's where we are. Michigan, Michigan looks like this. You know, um, we had a chance in June to really be down toward the 1% level. If we just maintain that for a couple more weeks we probably would would have knocked off the virus you know especially if we blocked the borders but again we, we chose applebee's well, we, yeah, <laughs> we, we got impatient we got a little impatient but you know it's understandable so we, we, we were we were suffering in, in may and so you can see what's interesting is you can see you know uh all the little blips here uh with uh with you know, the, the the nice weekends we had and you can see the death rate is kind of two to three weeks after the case rate. So, you know, right. fortunately in Michigan, we actually have a, a high case fatality rate. Uh, you know, the average in the, in the United States is, is, is about a third of what we have. And, you know, that's, uh, that's disappointing, but of course we're lower than most of the other States, which means uh, that, 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 which is a great thing. Fred, that was the graph I was referring to was the Michigan one on the bottom. Wow. So that's, the one, yes. that's the one it defaults to all the time when I Google, you know, when I'm looking at stats. Yeah. So, you, you know, you can see uh, like, uh, so, you know, so, here we are, and basically people are saying for Michigan we're probably going to be pretty flat. Now, uh, my guess is that when we open up the schools, we'll probably jump by about you know four, uh, three to four percent is my estimate right now versus where we are right now. So you know we'll we'll be up in the eight hundred range. 
So, and I, and I guess that's a that's a good uh, I, I guess a good segue to uh, you know what you've got a lot of schools that have come out and said, hey, we're going virtual. Um, you have you know some that you know you had, uh, Georgia uh, that you know does a year round model. And they basically had to, you know, they, so they've already been open, uh, for a couple of weeks and had to shut down already. You've got, uh, University of North Carolina that's been open for a week and just announced they're shutting everything down and going virtual. I mean, I, I guess what, what really should parents expect when it comes to, you know, the schools and, and, and how do they, how do they make decisions? Yeah, uh, schools are, are conservative for, for a couple of reasons. First, uh, that, that, you know, it's not so much the kids, it's that they become vectors and infect, um, you know, others, and especially teachers who are older, teachers who have uh, pre-existing conditions, staff, same situation. Right. You know, you, you have an awful lot of transference there, and if we can't control, you know, the virus among adults, we sure as heck can't control well, it's like, you know, we've talked about before, you're going to send your kid to school in a Batman mask, he's going to come home in a Spider-Man mask, and the whole school's going to be shut down for the next 14 days. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's right. So, so um, uh, look, I, I'll get to schools in a second. I just want to show you a couple of things yep. that were so interesting. So here is where Michigan is. Um, you can see that there's uncontrolled spread across the country. Uh, in, in, uh, throughout the Southwest, which we knew about, and Washington State, basically. Uh, but uh, Michigan is actually sort of a yellow state, which means that we're trending pretty flat. Uh, we're, we're, we're not that bad uh, and uh, compared to the other states. Uh, so that's a good thing. The question is whether the red is going to come and overwhelm us, right? Because Ohio is not doing so great. Illinois and Indiana aren't doing so great. Yeah, we're, like, we're, kind yeah. Of, we're kind of surrounded by badness here. I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's the risk, right? Is that, is that we get worse because everyone around us is sort of, you know, coming and infecting us. We'll see, and we'll see that trend in a second. Michigan's sort of interesting. If you're below the thumb, you know, that, that tip of the thumb, right? we're pretty much like the other states. If you're above the thumb, then you're doing pretty good. So that, that makes Which sense. Which makes sense, yep. Yeah, yeah. so that's sort of what, what Michigan is, is sort of special. Well, yeah, I mean, just from a, you know, population density perspective and, you know, I, and I know I've seen people that are like, oh, well, hey, the bars here aren't open. I'm heading down to, you know, Columbus for the weekend or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm heading over to Toledo and, and going to go hang out there. And great. So you go there and then you bring it back here. Thanks. <laughs> that's the, yeah. And that's the problem, right? Yeah, exactly right. And we're going to what we're going to see, I'm afraid, is that migration in October from the southern states into the northern states. And then we'll really be in. But then we'll be, we really will be surrounded. So one of the big issues we got is asymptomatic spread. And it's sort of interesting. We think it's about 40 percent. But you can see on the on the right hand side here that the, the, the range is quite is quite wide. In some cases, you know, uh, in King County, Washington, nursing home residents, it was only six six point three percent. Now, you know, that's because generally the elderly patients have, uh, you know, have, have bigger outbreaks, and I, there's less less, less asymptomatics. But generally, we think it's about forty percent. Um, and wearing a mask, it turns out, is pretty important. We think because there's some suggestive evidence that indicates that the viral load you get. Uh, actually influences how bad your symptoms are. So you remember that first doctor who died in in, in China who's become a hero. Uh, he was only 30 years old, but he got so much viral load early on that you know it just overwhelmed him, even though he was young and, and, and in good shape. 
Um, and the same thing's true about, so if, if, if everyone wears a mask, it turns out we think we're going to have more asymptomatic than symptomatic. And the way the reason we say this is because there were two big cruise ships where we can sort of did an experiment. The Diamond Princess cruise ship was what happened. Remember that was that was the first big cruise ship yep. probably in Japan. And it sort of and you know we had um forty seven percent were asymptomatic on that on that cruise. Well about um, a month and a half later this Argentinian cruise went out and everyone was wearing masks and there eighty one percent so we had uh, were were actually asymptomatic when they came out. Wow, on, which is sort of cool, right? Because it it indicates that hey, if I don't if I if I want to get a, a less a less you know severe case of COVID, uh, chances are if I'm wearing a mask, I've got a better chance. It turns out almost a fifty percent better chance of uh, of of getting a lesser bad case of COVID if I'm wearing that mask than if, I, if, I, if I'm not wearing a mask. Well, and I, I still think that the best way, you know, because you know, people are dumb and they need they really graphic stuff. The, uh, you know, hey, if you're both naked uh, and somebody pees on your leg, uh, you're you're gonna get all the pee on your leg. Where like okay, so, so stupid. Well, it's, but uh, but if but if I'm wearing pants, then I'm not getting as much pee on my leg. And if we're both wearing pants, then I get no pee on my leg. Like I feel like that's <laughs> quit peeing on people. <laughs> so the, 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 we think now we we don't know a lot about this virus still, right? So it's, it's only seven months old, but we think that basically, if you have COVID. And you're talking to somebody with a mask. The chances of that person getting COVID, if you're talking to them closely, uh, less than six feet away for more than 15 minutes, is about 70 percent. That's wow. how, you know, that's for the European version of of, of the virus. There's a there's a Chinese version, and the European the, 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 the European is about ten, 10 times more prevalent in the Midwest right now because it's much more infectious. Uh, it's about it's about five times more infectious than the original Chinese version. The, the European one came in from Germany. That's the one that hurt New York so badly. Um, so uh, if 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 you're if if um, now if you're if uh, so, that's that's if if he's if he's sick and talking to you, and you're wearing a mask. If if um, if he's not sick and you're sick and wearing a mask, the chances that he gets the disease is about about fifteen percent. If you're both wearing masks, is about one point five percent transmission rate. So that's a pretty that's a pretty good deal uh, if both of you guys are wearing a mask. But it turns out that if you're healthy and talking to a sick person, you're not that well protected. That's the problem. The other thing that helps us is, is, is vaccination. So, you know, if you can get a, a, a booster on your on your pneumonia vaccine, a booster on your uh, polio vaccine, other kinds of that, mumps, measles, that can help because it turns out when we get older, our vac- our, our our immune system uh, isn't uh, it doesn't work quite as well as it should, and as a result, it kind of stops and starts and fits and starts and, and gives you a much worse uh, uh, um, version of COVID than uh, younger people. Uh, and so if you get a vaccine, it, the vaccine tends to readjust your immune system and it helps uh, not only to avoid you know, the, the, the flu and COVID simultaneously, but also just it helps generally improve your, your immune system response. So some, some things you can do to avoid this asymptomatic problem, which the, and the problem is that you know, guys are walking around infecting people and they just don't know they're sick. And hey, that, Fred. Yeah. Let's say, you know, I want to, you know, I'm eating good. I'm taking all my vitamins. Uh, I'm trying to, you know, like I'm, I'm kind of double loading on vitamin C and all like the airborne kind of like how I'm treating, like going on vacation. 
Like, is that, I mean, what, what percentage is that I'm, you know, helping feeding my immune system? Is that, is that swaying anything or if I'm just going to get it, I'm just going to get it. Yeah, no, no, it can help. Uh, You know, if you get enough sleep, if you exercise, if you take your vitamins, absolutely. Uh, oh. All that all that helps. There's Thanks. No I'm, I'm completely screwed. Now. Thanks. That's great. Yeah. It's, Same. It's, probably <laughs> 30, it's probably about a 30% improvement. If, if you're you know, okay. sleeping well, exercising and, and taking vitamins and eating right, yeah, about, about, about 30%. Don't, don't eat too much. You don't want to get fat. Then you have about 30%. Too late. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> in the other direction. So this was the uh, study I was talking about in at the University of Florida, and it's really an important study. If you're in the hospital, if you're in a nursing home, get into a single room. Don't do a double room. And there are two big issues. The first is that you know there are a lot more visitors when there's, there's a double room. But more importantly, uh, these are guys who can't wear masks all the time. So you've got uh, people who aren't wearing masks, and they were looking at aerosols, and they found that the person who was asymptomatic and sick next to the guy who got sick from COVID, they said, how'd that happen? You know, and then they tested the guy. Sure enough, he was asymptomatic and sick. Turns out there was aerosols in the room, even though they were seventeen, you know, sixteen feet apart from each other, there was enough aerosol over the uh, uh, over the well guy's bed to get sick, um, uh, just by normal breathing. Not obviously not, you know, you know these, these are guys are in the hospital, right? So you'd think that in the hospital you're safe if they're not testing everybody who goes in for COVID for the asymptomatics, and you're sitting next to a guy, you're going to get sick. Oh, I would I would never make that assumption. I'm I've always been firmly in the camp that I've never been sicker in my life than when I've gone to the hospital for something. Yeah. Like that because I mean that's that's where the germs are. Like let's all be real. Yeah. Sadly, you're right. Uh, they, they save us, but they also uh, you can also get uh, there's also an awful lot of uh, you know uh, bad bad transmissions occur. This was in a hospital, by the way, that had what we consider excellent ventilation. These guys had six air changes per hour. They had all the most, uh, all the most up-to-date, regularly changed HEPA filtration systems. These guys, you know, sterilized, you know, regularly. They, they had, you know, bleaching coming through the, the rooms to, to really kill everything. They had the UV system, the UVC system installed in the, in the ventilation system that is supposed to kill all the viruses and all the bacteria before it even gets into, the circu- in, into circulation. So these guys did everything right, and despite that, the guy with the asymptomatic gave the you know gave the guy who was who was you know well the virus even though he was sixteen feet away, yeah, a lot of and they 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 proved this conclusively with genetic studies of the virus and the, and the molecules in the air and so on that it was absolutely the guy next door to him. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and the sad reality is that's the kind of thing where you're not going to know until you can do that kind of testing. That's right, and so this is a really special test. It was it, we we've waited an awful long time to do this test, and this was the result. So uh, you know, it's 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 really. So all the questions about this, that the air system is um, do your best, but don't expect, um, sadly, you know, don't expect. Uh, yeah, it's not a miracle worker. Yeah, a miracle. Exactly. Sadly, the, a, a complete uh, safety. Here was the Duke study that you talked about earlier. Um, uh, and uh, so this is what they found. You know, <laughs> Sorry, I just, I just lo- love that the slides are you, laser, freaking laser beams. That's great. <laughs> yes, yes. So the technology here was really wild, right? Uh, so we did all this modeling, and we fi- figured out basically. And there's a huge, there's a huge formula, mathematical formula. These guys, you know, who are modeling, figured out, and basically it says, <laughs> after you after you reduce everything to what it should, what it says is, it matters how much 
the mask blocks. <laughs> right. So how, thick is, how thick is the stuff and how much is it blocking? Uh, that's basically what the mathematical formula said. So Duke said, you know, we're engineers. We're going to actually look at the mask directly and figure this out. So they actually, um, you know, pushed air, uh, consistent volumes, through a mask, and they measured the particles that came out the other side. That's pretty smart. Right. Uh, with laser beams, and they could actually look at the droplet counts. They could look at the time that took for the droplets to occur and how many were occurring. And you can see the results. Basically, the N95 mask, if you can get an N95 mask and you have it fitted right, that means no air coming out the sides, really you know, tight to your face, that's your best bet. Really, it not only does it protect uh, the person who you're breathing on, uh, but unlike cotton masks, it protects you too. So if you can get N95 masks, um, you know, uh, get them because uh, they're the best. Uh, close, very, very close, but just slightly uh, less was surgical masks. Uh, I think surgical masks are available uh, commercially and 95s are a little bit more difficult to get. Right. But uh, the surgical masks, uh, they actually, uh, the N95 masks actually uh, are, are special woven fabrics. They're, 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 they're sort of a paper light fabric. Uh, you've seen them and they're, they, 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 they're not, they're not woven. They're, they're sort of pressed. Uh, and uh, so that, that causes these really small, uh, holes in them that allow only a certain amount of particle size through. And so 95% of the particles will be less than 0.3 microns. They'll be able to filter 95% of the the particles that are larger than 0.3 microns. And the uh, the coronavirus is 1.3 microns big. So most of the coronavirus, in fact, almost all of it was eliminated by the N95s. Surgical masks uh, work actually with uh, uh, electrostatic energy, so they actually stop the the, the molecule not because they're super um, you know dense, but because they have a chemical attractiveness to the to the molecule. And you can see here they're second. Then we go into polypropylene. If you have a choice between polypropylene and cotton, it looks like polypropylene is slightly a slightly better choice, especially if you can get it in multiple layers. Uh, three layers is best. You know, two one is is, is sort of the, the you can see the cotton basically the same thing. Cotton came up with uh you know it's about um you know it, it's about twenty times you know we'd like to say it's about seventy percent effective um, uh, generally uh, in the blo- in blockage. And if you get three layers, it's about eighty five percent effective. You can see those numbers going up. So cotton is the next area. Uh, what was interesting is that knitted and bandanas, bandanas is almost not very, not very. I helpful. see a lot of people sporting those too. Yeah. And my, and my, my biggest point with, with this is they didn't check. Um, they didn't check the, uh, the safety, the, the, the safety glass in front of your face, the, uh, the visors. My guess is that bandanas and visors are going to be sim- similar in their effect. And the bandanas basically are similar to wearing a mask, you know, without, uh, you know, over your nose only because basically right. it, puts it, it down and, and if you exhale hard, it, it push, you know, the, 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 everything goes out. So you can see that bandanas are almost, you know, are in the range of, of, of having nothing. What was really interesting is that it turns out if you wear a fleece mask, it's actually worse. <laughs> Which nothing. Okay. Why? It turns out that the fleece actually uh, is, is, is loosely enough constructed that, the droplets that are coming through the, the mask actually get atomized. So you're actually creating more aerosol Great. with a fleece mask that's going to kill people. Than... So, my, so my crown royal bag is worse than wearing nothing is what that's you're right. saying. 
Yeah, don't do that. No, don't. I have. I just bought a. It's like a double crown. It's like a crown royal bag, and it's got a little pocket in it. And it, you know, I got it because it makes people laugh. Um, but apparently, it's worse than wearing nothing. So that's great. Appreciate that's, that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, so sadly, yeah, fleece you don't want to, you don't want to, yeah, so you don't want to have something that actually causes the droplets that are coming out of your uh, out of your mouth to actually fractionate and become aerosols and spread all over the place for a long. Period I mean, of time. I mean, it, it's good for you, Bob, but it's bad for everyone else, is what he's saying. That's yeah, you know, fine. <laughs> so yeah, so so uh, this was the, the this was some of the results, um, and the turtleneck uh, effects also aren't terribly effective because they they tend to let let more air out of the sides than, uh, than, than what about the um. I heard that those are um, that those are garbage. The are they called neck gaiters? That's gaiters. I think it's what he's yeah. talking about. The turtleneck ones, yeah. The turtleneck, what, okay, not, not very effective. Yeah, probably similar uh, around the, between the nibs and the bandanas that came through. Yeah. Okay, so th- that's that's sort of where you want to be. And uh, there are a couple things about the mask. Uh, 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 on the next page, I kind of so turns out masks are, are pretty important. Um, if we all could wear them, we'd all wear N95 masks every day, all the time, right? I mean, that, that, that would really be protective. Unfortunately, we don't have the capacity even for healthcare people for the N95 masks. Right. There are N95 masks that come with, with special vents on them so they can breathe easily. Those are actually very dangerous for people who you are around. It'll protect you, but these are made actually for people who are, you know, painting cars and, 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 uh, in high dust environments. Not for not not for health. So mask care. Um, the first thing is when you're done with your mask, take it off. Uh, not don't don't hold the mask because it's got all the crud on it, right? If you put your fingers on the mask, then you're going to get all the all, all the crud on your fingers, and you're going to touch your eye and touch your face, and you know all of a sudden you spread the virus to yourself. So don't touch the mask itself. Go around the ear loops and take it off and move it forward or uh, move it forward away from you, and then drop it right into a paper bag. Because what that does is it first ensures that it's covered, and the virus can't really last on the paper and on the cloth for more than three four hours. So if you put it in the bag, then it's not going to get contaminated by just being around droplets that might be dropping you know, with with COVID on them, and it'll kill off the virus over time, right? So, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't leave it on your car seat for a little bit or whatever, uh, especially with the kids in the car coughing on it, you know, <laughs> keep the thing in a bag. So, so what about the, what about the rumor again, gotta love the internet, uh, that was floating around for a hot minute about people getting, uh, Legionnaire's disease from not washing their masks. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, masks are like underwear, wash them every day. <laughs> You know, don't, don't, don't screw around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you want to wash them in bleach. Uh, if you're just going to soak them in water for a little bit, uh, if they're, if, re, if they're reusable, uh, if, if you have a, if you have a paper mask and it gets moist or mask generally in the rain, or if it gets moist, um, they are not effective. They start to block off the pores. You won't be able to breathe as effectively. And of course, because you're not able to breathe as effectively, it means they're not blocking the, the virus either. It, it gives them a nice place for the virus to kind of congregate, settle, and, uh, and, uh, and be happy until, uh, <laughs> so moist masks you want to throw out. Um, and, uh, in, in the, as far as ones that you regenerate, uh, if they start to look frayed, if they start to look, you know, old, throw them out. Uh, don't, don't screw around. 
Uh, and then, uh, as I said, in the laundry, throw them in the laundry. No, no virus is going to survive uh, in the laundry with detergent in it. And uh, if you wash them by hand, you don't want to do laundry every day, uh, then put them in some bleach and then dry them super hot. Gotcha. If you have a, if you have a sanitizing, uh, some, some washers have sanit- sanitizing capability, use that one. Uh, the uh, N95s are a little bit harder. They, said if they start to fray, they start to look old, they start to look grungy on the outside, you want to throw them away. Uh, if not, you can reuse them. What I usually do is I put them in the sun for three hours. Full sun at you know 11 to 1 o'clock, 2 to 2 o'clock, that'll generally um, uh, kill off any virus that's in there. Plus, if you leave them for more than three, four hours, they'll, they'll desiccate. So that, that's, that's a good, not, not, a, not a bad solution. Uh, the hospitals actually have real big, you know, UV systems that come in and you just put your masks in and then they you light them all up. The problem with that, if you try to bring that at home, is that um, it'll give you some, it'll give you cancer and it'll blind you. So you don't want to, don't so, want to do it, yeah, avoid that, I would think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Other than that, they're perfect. So that's, that's sort of some, some things about mask care because I think we're going to need, you know. Um, what about, uh, before you get into mask care, what about, uh, Materials I've seen masks that are built with uh, antiviral properties built in, like uh, something called like Viroblock, which got like silver and things woven into it. Yeah, the silver, copper are most are mostly for bacteria uh, uh, because they they actually interfere with cell wall, um, um, uh, and uh, they have a log kill rate of about two. That means that one. That means that it'll kill for if you have a hundred cells that are alive. It, it'll kill all but one of them. Turns out that log two kill rates um, tend to breed super super bugs rather than oh, over time, uh, depending on what you're using to kill them and and so on. Um, so we're a little bit concerned about that, but uh, yeah, uh, they, they 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 do have a as I said a log two kill rate. Um, things like the sprays that you use that are FDA approved, they'll have a log six or a log seven. So Sandia Labs, for example, developed something that has a log seven kill rate. That'll that means that um, you know only one in ten million of the of the viruses or, or bacteria will survive, uh, and that that prevents super you know, the, the superbugs from occurring because you're killing so many of them um, with so, such a small amount that uh, generally that that prevents the super the superbugs. Log six is usually what we see as a minimum. And uh, there are a number of things like Oxivir, for example, is a log six kill rate. Uh, but those, those are sprays and wipes, not, not masks. But yeah, generally, um, just don't count on it uh, to help um, you much. It's much more important. Um, it, uh, the electrostatic, uh, you want, what you want to do is you want to trap the virus. You don't want to necessarily kill it. So what's more important is the electrostatic effect. If they're saying that they have electrostatic effect like the surgical masks do, they actually, you know, the, electro, the electrostatic effect actually attracts the, the molecule to it. It doesn't kill it. It just traps it there. Or if you have very small pore rates like the N95 mask, it's more important to weave than whether or not the, the, you're, you're killing them. So, you know, loosely woven silver, copper, thread technology is is not as good as something that just traps it with small pores. Is that right? Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So, so th- th- I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about something that I've been watching for a while. And uh, this, this is a little bit worrisome. Uh, as you know, I, I helped put up the, 
the uh, the, the website for uh, with uh, with Johns Hopkins because we were sort of interested in watching the, the development of the virus. We thought we'd see it you know come up like we did for SARS and then come back down again. It would be interesting uh, you know uh, uh, from an from a educational and 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 learning standpoint about how your viruses come and go. So here's the here's the uh, Hopkins site, and you can see that we've got 5.4 million cases, right? That's the U.S. Right. Now, in the, at the same time, we've got 1.8 million recovered. What does that mean to you? I'm guessing. I'm, I'm guessing that's 1.8 million that don't have that no longer have symptoms. That's right. That's right. So what happens is you have 5.4 million cases. You have 1.8 million recovered, and two, about 170 thousand have died. That means that 3.5. So yes, you still got a delta of 3.5, 3.6 million out there have not recovered. How do they know? So if you get the test once, how do they delineate recovery versus none? Uh, the CDC actually uh, watches us pretty carefully, and what will happen is if you still are saying that you've got symptoms and you're still going to the doctor because you've had COVID, it'll say you're not recovered yet. So I guess what's the I guess the, let's take a step back when you when you test positive apparently they just don't let you go home right there's follow up and there's there's things you have to do I'm, I'm assuming that's right what we're finding is that there are some lingering effects so the real math is the is the following 5.4 million cases 1.8 million recovered one point uh, and 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 170,000 dead so you've got 3.4 million cases unrecovered. Now, of those, it takes, it takes about four weeks to recover. In the last four weeks, we've had slightly over a million cases. So we're down to around 2.2 million unrecovered, right? So 5.4, uh, you have 2.2 million unrecovered of, of a total of 5.4 total cases, which means that you're talking about 40% of people who are still sick from this damn thing. Right. Yeah. Now, a couple weeks ago, it was up at 52 percent. So we're coming down. The reason we're coming down is because we're starting to uh, load. We're starting to test more. And we're starting to find out that we had more asymptomatic recovered. Doing that, and we're mixing those in as well. Um, uh, so, but but still, this is a lot of people who are unrecovered, and it's very worrisome. If you look, you know, if you look at Brazil. They've only they had three point three million people, but they had. 2.6 million recovered, 2.7 million recovered, right? So they only have uh, 800,000. Uh, uh, and the reason is because they're a lot younger. They're a lot younger, and so they're recovering. Well, I was going to say, and so how does this tie in with, uh, I think it was either the last time or the time before that you were on, we were talking about um, sort of the uptick in cases with kids with that secondary syndrome that nobody really understood at the time. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Well, it's, it's not Kawasaki. It's, it's a multiple organ failure system. Right. Uh, some failure uh, syndrome. And uh, yeah, those are examples of unrecovered. Exactly. And uh, that's for children. Uh, what I want to do is I'll show you what, what's starting to happen. We're starting to see now. Now, this is very preliminary data, so I don't want everyone to panic. A lot of it's still subjective. <laughs> Thank you for that disclaimer. Remain <laughs> calm. <laughs> it's small. It's small numbers, but it's it's. It, I've been watching this for about a month and a half now, and I'm starting to get a little bit worried. Um, so, if you look, 
uh, at respiratory function, shortness of breath, 94 hospitals, 94, and they looked at China, 94% of the of people who were hospitalized had residual lung abnormalities. Um, and with SARS, what we found is that these lung abnormalities remain with you for life. So that's worrisome. Right. 23% of, in France, they did another study, had acute pulmonary embolisms, which, uh, you know, uh, that, that, those are blood clots that, that, that means that they can go to your heart and kill right. you. That's not good. And 2.4% have, have, have uh, chronic pulmonary hypertension. So that's, that's sort of a, a big respiratory environment problem that we're concerned about and what, what are causing people to be remain unrecovered because they have scarred lungs that, and, and they're having trouble uh, uh, breathing uh, and having continued shortness of breath and continued chest pain and coughs. Um, the next big problem is that people are finding that they are foggy. They can't remember stuff very well and uh, there are neurological complications and we think that these neurological complications are micro strokes. In Wuhan, 36 to 40% of the people who were in hospital had, you know, had significant neurological symptoms. Uh, and that, that's, again, an unrecovered, an example of an unrecovered um, a person. If you've got lots of fatigue, lots of headaches, and lots of brain fog, you're not going to go to your doctor. You're going to go to your doctor and say, I still got a problem, doc. You know, help me out. Cardiology, 20% of, uh, of hospitalized have what they call abnormal uh, uh, troponin. Troponin uh, indicates heart inflammation. That also isn't a good thing. Uh, JAMA, the Journal of American Medical Association, uh, uh, they indicated that 78% uh, of, of people hospitalized had uh, cardiac symptoms that were abnormal after they had COVID. And, um, and in China, it was even it was slightly worse because they actually had cardiac injury um, and uh, sometimes death. So you can start to see some of these, what they call long hauler. These are guys who... You know, think they're getting over COVID, but they have these lingering effects that don't go away. So when I, I want to make sure I'm understanding. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Bob. Sorry. No, I was making a joke because I was trying to lighten up the mood. I'm like, sorry. So they're, not, they're not truck drivers, right? Right. Yeah. The truck. Yeah. They're not hot truck drivers. That's right. Well, no. And so I, I was going to say, I want to make sure. I just want to make sure I'm understanding this and putting it in the right perspective. So this is of people that were hospitalized or of total cases. These are, 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 are the unresolved cases. So it, 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 um, the Chinese study uh, was, 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 was the Chinese tend, tend to look at hospitalized people and the, uh, um, the uh, Americans and Europeans tend to look at all cases. Okay. Uh, they also had chronic fatigue, loss of smell and, and taste and damage to heart, heart, kidney and lung. So this, 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 this virus um, fools our it basically fools our immune system and it gets into places where normally we would have already killed it off, but it gets into heart, kidney, and lung, and goes beyond the lung into the kidney, heart, uh, and, and other organs uh, through the blood. If it gets into your blood uh, by, because it fools, because uh, you've got basically it attaches itself to a, a, an ACE2 inhibitor. All your cells have ACE2 inhibitors. They're right. part of respiration. So, you know, um, they, uh, they, the, the, the virus can get to a lot of these critical organs and really give you a hard time for a long time. Hey, Fred, just a, just a dumb question for all the, I guess for all the people that are like, I don't trust the Chinese numbers. It's all garbage. Is that, is there any truth to that? Or is that just like, um, because I'm looking at the last slide and you were like, you know, these Chinese studies and I'm like, do we, do we believe those? Uh, you know, I guess that's my point. 
Yeah, so my, my experience of the Chinese um, has been that they are, uh, they're, they're, first of all, everyone I know has been trained here. <laughs> so they're all, they're all doctors. They're you know, American medical uh, graduates, uh, you know, European medical grad school graduates who, who've gone back to China. So those are the guys I work with, and they're all, they're all very straightforward. They, 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 have, not, they have not really been um, affected politically. The Chinese uh, made a huge mistake early on, and they, and they made a martyr of this one doctor. I, forget, I think his name was Dr. Liu. Uh, don't quote me though. Uh, and uh, and he died after he sounded the alarm that said, "Hey, the science is showing this." And the government said, basically, the local government you know, shut him down and made him sign all sorts of things that says, "Well, what I was talking about was a lie." And then later, of course, it turned out it was COVID and uh, you know a significant new new disease. And you know he died, and and as a result, all the doctors uh, basically have 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 been really rebellious about uh, and, and, and very resistant to being influenced by, by, by the politics of the day. Um, uh, yeah. that, that could change over time, but that, that's what I'm talking about right now. I haven't, I've not noticed any, any, uh, I think they're trying to become part of the solution. Well, yeah, time. I mean, it's, it sounds like it was, you know, they might've been a little bit squashed at first. Um, well, they, were, they were definitely squashed. Yeah. At first. Don't get me wrong. They, they, they were all over these guys saying, you don't say anything, especially the local guys who are all, you know, Kowtowing to the uh, up, up the Chinese party, the, the Wuhan local guys were 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 really putting the screws on all the doctors. Uh, bad, bad. Uh, but that that <laughs> you know, then then basically people realize that it's killing us. This is un, unacceptable, and uh, and 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 the doctors have had had, had pretty much they've been able to say what they want. I think, good. I can tell. So which, yeah, so you're right. I always, I, you always have to question this stuff. You know, how many people are they really testing in uh, lesser developed countries? You know, is, is it a fair comparison to you know uh, to compare us to? I think they were talking about how we were doing as bad as Somalia or something. We're saying, come on, you know that that's not. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, after a while, it gets ridiculous. But but in the case of China, I think uh, they're well trained. Uh, they're good scientists, and I haven't seen any 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 obvious. Uh, you know, uh, squashing. Fair. So these, these are some of the things that are happening. Um, uh, and um, we think that these little blood clots are causing strokes. There's also uh, what, what my family member went through. We believe that um, uh, some of the COVID can actually demyelinate some of the nerves, which may cause autoimmune diseases. Uh, and myasthenia gravis was one of them in Italy. They, they noticed this in, in, my, in the case of, uh, of, of my family. It was, uh, it was, uh, uh, Barre uh, syndrome, and that weakens your your muscle, double visions, causing difficulty speaking and chewing. You couldn't walk. You know these are these are big issues, and we think that the what what happens is you're you're slightly predisposed toward this. The, the COVID infection kind of causes a priming uh, that, that that allows these 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 uh, kind of suppressed um, uh, long term problems to arise to the, rise to the surface. So is this why, and, and I know they backed off of it really, really quickly, but for like a hot minute, the military basically said, once you've tested positive for COVID, you cannot join the military. They and, were worried about it. And, yeah. then, and then they backed off that real quick, but I haven't seen anything about that since that was, I'm guessing, two months ago now? Yeah, that was, that was a few months ago, and they were, they were concerned about a couple things. One, whether you, you know, how long does this, this, this virus last? We think that you're only got right now. Originally, back in the day, we kept seeing pop-ups of virus you know, coming out two, three months later. Right. It turned out those were things that were sequestered. Generally, we think that, that what we've done, basically what we've done is we've looked at 
the virus, we've said, and we've taken people who are sick. And what's interesting is the, the virus keeps shedding, but those after about 10 days, you're not, you're not, you don't tend to be infectious. So anything after 10 days, we, we do, we took, we took the viral sheds and we put them in petri dishes and we, and, and we well, they had cultured them to see whether they could grow. And the answer is they couldn't. So basically we, we think that the, period uh, of infection is much lower than two, what we thought two months ago. And uh, uh, we're, we're still not sure about, about all these long-term effects, uh, but we're going to find them in a general physical and reject the, the, the soldier, you know, uh, uh, if they have gotcha. you know, fatigue, muscle aches, that's all going to become part of it. They can't breathe properly. That's all going to become part of a physical examination that we can screen out for. So I think they've, 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 they've uh, eliminated it. But here are some of all the symptoms that you can still have, even after, you know, you're done with the COVID and you don't have any more active virus, all this stuff can remain with you. So it's uh, it's sort of worrisome. Uh, and that's that's why I think we're seeing all these, you know, uh, unrecovered uh, people still trying to get over this disease. So uh, it's not something you want to get. As I said, this is all this is all small data sets individual you know studies here and there but i think we're going to start to see there are going to be some lingering problems uh with, with the covid uh maybe not all this some of it's going to fall away but but certainly some of it's going to stay behind us and so and, and and linger gotcha what beyond beyond uh just all these all these uh symptoms that we've got uh these guys you know there's also an awful lot of pain uh that's associated even after you quote unquote, you know, gotten rid of the virus, uh, you can still have an awful lot of pain affiliated. So, you know, um, you know, you're, you're, if you've had COVID and you're feeling and you're still feeling bad, you're not crazy. It could still be that you've got these symptoms of the effect of the virus uh, that are just going to be chronic. Uh, I mean, and- m- most of these. I, I mean, I, I, I'll I'll get these after like a, a night out at the bar with Bob. I, you know, I'm just I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. That's the uh, that was the one question I wanted to ask. I, I downloaded this meme, but I think it's hilarious. I said, "Can you still get regular sick, or is everything just Corona these days?" So if you look at if you look at what's going on, it's like, yeah, these are you know all these symptoms. It's like, my God, you know, can you just get normal sick anymore? And you know, and, and there 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 is a little bit to, uh, that you know, if you have Corona, you, you, the reimbursement is slightly better, so there's a little bit of incentive to do that. I, 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 but I don't think it's a significant effect. I think it, this, these are real, real issues, believe it or not, uh, mm-hmm. sadly, that are, that are staying with us. Uh, so schools. So schools. Here is what um, they just did a, a big survey. Uh, and based on two factors, uh, 25 uh, out of 100,000 uh, level of, of COVID uh, incidents, uh, I'm sorry, a prevalence, and um, uh, a 5% or lower uh, positive rate. And here are what, 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 and, and, and so basically if you were above that, um, you are red and you can see that Michigan is doing pretty well. Um, you know, we don't have that many red states. I mean, look at, I was like, yeah, there's that area right around us, of course, that's red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, if you're in Macomb County, you're completely screwed. <laughs> or in Detroit. Uh, but, uh, but for the most part, Michigan's looking really pretty good. Uh, as far as schools should all stay remote, we only have a few places in the, in, in the state. You can see there, there, I guess there's six counties there. Um, uh, and along the Wisconsin border, sadly, we've got some, uh, which you have to count as well. It, it, it's funny, though, because they asked the parents in my district, 
about staying remote or uh, or coming back. Uh, the parents voted to come back, uh, but the school decided to stay remote based on uh, teacher feedback. So it's it's interesting. The you know it, it's not just the parents that want the kids to go back. It's got to be this. There's a lot of different. Uh, let it gears moving. This well, way. yeah, I mean, they got the teachers union and I right. mean, they've got, you know, the the individual education programs. They got to figure out how do the how do they fulfill those without getting sued if they don't. There's yeah, there's a lot of moving pieces parts to that. Yeah. For, for every parent, I would say have a plan B, you know, plan that your school is going to be shut down some, at some point during this year. Uh, even if you're in great shape, I, I would still plan that that's going to happen. But, you know, get, get the Internet co- connections, try to buy the computer, uh, try to have, you know, uh, a, a plan to pull the pull the kids together in pods to learn together if you can't, if you need to go off and work. But you've got to have a plan B because I don't think um, that that um, it's going to be possible to have um, uh, all the students in the school all the time. Right. Before. I just don't see that happening anywhere in the country, anywhere. So you can see, uh, so that's the school that should stay remote. Then there's a group of orange counties, and we have one right around the, the, the Mitten uh, area, uh, as well as uh, Escanaba and, again, along the Wisconsin border. That's a problem there. Wisconsin's on fire, the whole state. Um, uh, so we have the overlap in the Upper Peninsula. Uh, and we have a little bit down toward uh, Kalamazoo and the, and the Indiana border, which is also on, Indiana's also on fire along there. So um, those, they're saying elementary and middle schools can reopen, but high school should stay remote. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to say the elementary middle school, first of all, don't transmit quite as much. Now we have that from Korean data. It's a, we, we had tests from, we had, we had exam, we had samples from 5,000 different people. Unfortunately, only 50 of them were under the age of 18. <laughs> so this okay. is bad. <laughs> And then, you know, of those 25 were under 10, they had a little bit less transmission than the guys who were over over 10. So we said, okay, you know, it's a little bit better under 10. The truth is we don't really know, but we, but basically kids transmit this stuff, you know, yep. that, that, that's the bottom line. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. and, and I mean, that, that was, I th- you know, I think that was the rationale for shutting them down back in March is, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah, they might not be impacted themselves, but let's be honest we all we all know anybody with kids knows that schools are a friggin petri dish yeah you know and so they're 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 a, they're a spread vector so when they come back with, with with their with their spider with their spider-man mask what, right. what do you do the first thing you do is you'd have them basically take off their uh, you know their their outer clothing in the garage and just have them dump it there and then walk in and and wash their hands the num- the most important guess guess what's the most the, the, the probably the most soiled piece of piece of clothing that they ha- that they have other than their mask on uh, their shirt nope uh, their shoes everything huh? drops to the floor makes yeah. sense so have yeah take them take off their shoes for sure and have indoor shoes and outdoor shoes um, so uh, it's just like working with working with a healthcare worker you know look at look at what they had to do when they came home from right. Work. You know that's the same sort of thing you want to do with your kids when they come home from school, because uh, they'll they'll they're going to have the virus. They're not going to be symptomatic. They'll be around people who are not, not symptomatic. And if you've got, you know, if you're if you're in an especially if you are if you are susceptible, have a pre-existing condition, or living with elderly the elderly, you definitely want to take some precaution. Gotcha. Your household. So then you can see that it goes up to the next level. You're yellow. Where most Michigan is mostly yellow. And basically, it says high school, elementary, and middle schools, uh, school can reopen. 
uh, high school partially reopen, which is, means you can go Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or you can go, you know, in the morning and uh, afternoon shifts, uh, or you know, that, that 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 kind of a cycle. That's that's pretty good, and that's where we are right now. So that's uh, except along the Wisconsin and and, and right. uh, Indiana border. <laughs> And then it's safe to reopen all schools. We've got five counties like that, including Houghton up in the Upper Peninsula and a few others that, 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 that are ready to go. And we're one of the few states that has any counties at all that are ready to open, which is great. You know, congratulations. And here's some of the effects that people are saying, you know, I, I, uh, 68% need to make at least one change. They're working arrange, arrangements. 50% of people said they probably have to, you know, really significantly impact their jobs. You can see how these jobs are being impacted by how old the, the, the children are and where, where, where the biggest effect are. Um, but it's, um, you know, it, it's going to really impact the economy badly if uh, one of the, one of the you know, parents has to stay home with the kids or change their jobs. Right. We already have about 11%. Officially, we've got 10.2% unemployment rate. The, you know, the U6 unemployment rate, which is the ones people who have sort of given up and includes everyone who's really looking for a job is around 14%. Yeah, the, the shadow these, unemployment numbers, yeah. Yeah, they start to add these numbers into the mix, and you get a really bad economic impact here. Yeah, so Congress, I, you know, I, I've done some economic modeling. Congress basically... Uh, if we are lucky enough to have a, a, an effective, semi-effective, you know, say 60% effective vaccine, by the end of 2021, we will have to triple the amount of of social support that has been given to date in order to, wow. yeah, the economy doesn't tank. It turns out that Michigan was the number one recipient state on a per capita basis of uh, the CARES Act, number one in the nation. Well, yeah, I think our well, our unemployment rate hit. I think uh, it was above twenty five percent, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, that's right, twenty six percent. So, and then probably close to forty four percent overall household. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, it's it's really important to push the Congress. There is not one economist on the planet who doesn't think we shouldn't be uh, trying to. It isn't a stimulus. It's just it's just you know trying to keep. Uh, it's um it's just trying to keep the economy. You know, uh, level. You just keep the boats afloat. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's just trying to preserve it uh, in, in a coma. It's not trying to. We're not trying to stimulate anything. We're just trying to save it. Uh, but there, uh, there literally is not one economist on the planet. There, there are twenty. Believe it or not, someone we've managed to elect twenty state senators who think that somehow you know, that, that 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 all the stimulation is going to cause inflation. Well, <laughs> <laughs> these guys. I'll tell you, they they. They, they, they flunk economics because, you know, the, the Keynesians and the monetarists are all, you know, getting get together and saying, God, push money at this thing because otherwise we're going to – it's going to go. Right. <laughs> so there's absolutely no arguments about what we need to do from an economic standpoint. Uh, there's a little bit of political stuff because the tea, you know, there, there were some Tea Partiers who got elected based on we're not going to do anything ever again and they all, all government is bad. Um they they have they have a point, but not right now. Right right now, right. Yeah, right we, we really need to stimulate. The, we just need to keep keep the economy going, or we're going to have permanent damage to this thing. And then you know the part of the problem with this whole thing is testing. It requires that a sufficient testing is done so that you're able to actually see whether you've got a a three or five percent positive rate. And right now, Michigan's pretty good. We have uh, some testing deficiencies. You can see. Uh, in the thumb along the Indiana border. Other than that, we're testing it at a, at a, 
at a high enough rate to be able to determine whether we should open or close schools. So you can basically, unless you're in these uh, uh, red counties, I, I, I'm a 3% positivity rate because uh, I'm part of the Harvard Global Health Institute, full disclosure. And so we, we, uh, we, we think that it needs to be at 3% as does, as the, as does the WHO, by the way. Uh, and so you can see the counties that might, you might, uh, be off in terms of what their recommendations for close closure are, but if you follow what they're, but in the rest of these counties, they will they will know whether they need to close or not. And there's some new testing coming up, uh, and this is sort of interesting. Uh, so first of all, there's a lot of new testing coming through, and it's all going to be approved, I think, in the next six to eight months, and it'll be a lot cheaper, a lot faster, a lot more accurate. In the meantime, though, these dogs. Uh, they're training dogs in Europe, especially. Uh, they're, Bel- they're, 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 the, they're the German shepherds and the, and the shepherd dogs. Uh, and believe it or not, they can take they, they, they take a little uh, swab of your sweat, and they put it in a in, in a in a little holder, and they swirl it around, and then let the dog sniff, and they can te- tell whether you've got COVID or not. Better, much much better than you know temperature sensing and so on. That's crazy. Isn't that wild? So if you well, but you've, and you've, you've, France, Belgium, you'll see these guys. Yeah, yeah, you've got, well, you've got it down there on the slide. Like, I know I had heard that about, uh, like, some dogs were phenomenal about uh, detecting certain cancers and that kind of stuff. That's right. That's right. They can, they can detect uh, uh, diff, diff, uh, a variety of different cancers uh, um, that are called stomach cancer, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, epileptics, epileptics, they can detect ep- whether they're going to have a seizure or not. They can start barking and alerting people about having a seizure. So there's some, the, 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 the sense of smell, they're 10,000 times better than our sense right. of smell. So, uh, re, re, and so this is an opportunity really. And maybe we could put, you know, put a little dog in every school, but you know, <laughs> right. six to eight weeks and ready to go. <laughs> so, uh, uh, that, that that's happening in parallel to a lot of the other tests that are that we talked about earlier. The real problem I've got right now with the United States' strategy is that it's basically betting on vaccines. Right. And, um, you know, this is what we've done so far. We've put, I say, wasn't that what they talked about almost in April? Like, we got to wait for the, you know, it was flatten the curve, and then we got to wait for a vaccine, right? That's right. And um, I'll, I'll talk about why that may not be a very good bet in a second. But you can see... Uh, it's, what's interesting is that for the first hundred million doses uh, for Moderna, it's um, it's about uh, thirty. To, so the, each of these drug uh, vaccines has to be injected at least twice a year into you, or it's not going to have the duration that you want, uh, or the vir- or the or the viral activity you want. So you have to have uh, a booster shot after you have the first one, and we might want to mix and match the booster shots for even a. Uh, in some cases, we can; in some cases, we can't. Uh, sort of have a, almost a a, a cocktail effect. That's uh, uh, because we don't have that many vaccines, and because it might actually improve it. Um, so you can get a sense of we have a hundred million dollar dose, a hundred million doses that are coming through. Uh, that's good for fifty million people at thirty dollars a person. So. Um, with an option for another 400 million. The problem is that after that first 100 million, they can charge whatever they like. So this could get expensive. J&J, a billion for the first 100 million doses. J&J is guaranteed they're not going to make any profit on this. But of course, you know, you, there are all sorts of accounting things you can right. do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how much do you want to deduct R&D off? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a, there are a lot of nonprofits out there with billions of dollars in the bank. So 
Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but they at least they're at least they have a they put a stake in the ground. They're not uh, they're going to try to make it look better than it really is. But a billion dollars for 100, 100 million doses. Pfizer and uh, BioNTech. Um, uh, this is where Europe has put its bet. Um, uh, Thirty nine dollars for two doses per person. So again, you know that's and that's only the first hundred million doses. Uh, after that, they can charge what they want. AstraZeneca. Four dollars a dose. That's the cheapest for three hundred million doses, and that's where UK has put their bet. So, uh, and and we get what we have as well. So that's that's where we've invested so far, and we've got lots of shots on go. We've got you know, five different kinds of vaccines that we're going after. Uh, three of which are uh, I'm sorry, uh, three of which are in phase three studies. So that's pretty good, but it always comes back to this: um, we are talking about an absolute world record. Uh, to get this thing out, the, the, the fastest, I, I, um, the, the mumps vaccine was the very fastest we ever done. That's four years. Uh, most of the, most of the work that I, uh, most of the drugs that most of the vaccines that I worked on, um, you know, took nine years on average. So, um, and of course the problem, the real problem is that only that, you know, the probability of success in clinical trials, vaccines for infectious disease, 35%. The, this is a, a very favorable number compared to other kinds of drugs we have through. But what it doesn't show is the fact that we create vaccines every year that are new, quote unquote, for the flu and for yep. pneumonia that are almost guaranteed to work at some level. And so we have. A, so if you look at the uh, vaccines uh, success rate for novel infectious disease, which this is, it's down to 11 <laughs> percent. So we have enough, we have, you know, statistically we have enough shots on goal to get something in the next year, but it's not a done deal. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's like we talked about last time, you know, you ask the average person how long you're going to be wearing masks walking around and the average person says six months, the average, you know, epidemiologist or infectious disease person says, eh, two years. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the challenge we have the, uh, and of course, you know, HIV, we still don't have anything for, uh, for HIV AIDS uh, and that's been 40 years. Right. It it could, it could take a while. I, I, I hope, I really hope we have something at the end of next year, but I'm not, you know, I think, but for us to get something that's truly effective and that really moves us back to normal, I still think it's going to be seven to 10 years. Yeah. The one, the one shot an hour later, (laughs) <laughs> the one shot you should get is the flu shot. Right now, 40% of Americans get it, and even fewer for the younger uh, people. Uh, it boosts your immune system, like we said, uh, but it also reduces mortality on the older person uh, because it slows and lowers the spread of the flu plus COVID together uh, among older, uh, the elderly because uh, the, the children really are the, are the vectors for the flu vaccine, and if you can give them the the the, the, the shot that they're not going to spread it to the older right people. so uh yeah uh try, try to get your f- shot early um <laughs> if you can because you sure don't want to have both the flu and covid at once and that's it that, that that was my little my little thing what do you guys think scary as always but i but i mean it's dude these are the most educational episodes and we had a, a bunch of people were commenting about it's just it's so good to get the non-biased, non non Bill Gates is going to kill all of us. Non-spin, yeah, just you know the actual science behind this stuff is is invaluable. I mean, that's what people actually want. I think. 
Yeah, and, and you know, a lot. It's a lot of this is preliminary. A lot of this, I, I try to avoid being selective. I try to, be, you know, kind of here's what the general body mm-hmm. of, of evidence shows. But it uh, and it could it could still be disproven, you know. But because there's a lot still to be written on the on the space. But I think these trends are likely to be correct. Well, and, and I, I think we talked about this last time too. That you know, <laughs> probably one of the biggest issues here that leads to a lot of the misinformation and a lot of the you know the distrust and all that kind of stuff is people aren't used to watching science play out in real time. Oh yeah, exactly. The, I, I can't believe we're even talking about this stuff, frankly, because you know, seven months is nothing. I mean, it takes me seven months to start to even design a trial. Yeah. <laughs> no, and then you and then you actually have to enroll the patient. That's another four months, and then you start the the, the you know, and you get preliminary data after another nine months after that, and then after a year or two, you start to get some interesting things that you can start to suggest that maybe something has been demonstrated. Mm-hmm. Maybe. <laughs> we're in, you know we're in a veruca salt uh, society you know i want it now <laughs> yeah I, just have plan just be be prepared to be surprised and have alternatives that you're ready for like if the school closes down have an alternative the vaccine right. doesn't have a, it doesn't work have an alternative if you know uh if, if you don't bring your mask along then stay six to eight feet away from people <laughs> or else go back home and get your mask. That, those kind of things. Just always have an alternative because you're going to be surprised by the data. That's the only thing I for, for sure we can say right now. Fred, we can't uh, thank you enough for your time. Actually, we're, we're honestly honored to have you on. Uh, oh, we have oh, this oh. is, uh, like I said, this is invaluable. This, this keeps, a, at least me, it keeps me in check because I'm reading and hearing and seeing shit every day and <laughs> somebody makes sense of it is uh it keeps my it keeps my sanity normal at least for the time being oh it's been a pleasure and and you know, i'm happy to come back and we can talk about you know where we're right right now we're kind of uh, uh so i'm i'm working with one of these companies but in moderna is about has about 4800 people enrolled uh we're scaling up their their the manufacturing facility we think we can get uh the drug to thirty thousand, to fifteen thousand, twenty thousand people, but moving to the to the billion is going to be challenging because Lanza is going to do the actual manufacturing. Pfizer is the second uh, big drug that we're in, uh, with uh, with BioNTech. Uh, they're uh, they're at about uh, at about twenty seven hundred patients enrolled in phase three. So uh, by you know, we got, we got, got a ways we got, to go. Got a, don't know uh, for those that don't know if you want to read up about Fred FredBrown.com. Yep. Um, oh, right. And then, uh, yeah, I think uh, Randy, you put it up, put his Twitters up there as well. Yep. Yep. Um, if you want to shoot Fred a message when we're not around, feel free. Or is it unless? Uh, <laughs> I'm happy to answer any questions you have. Uh, anyone has questions? Yeah. Apparently, uh, somebody shot you an email uh, through your website a couple weeks ago, and you responded, chimed in, and said, "Hey, thanks for responding to my email a couple weeks ago." Pleasure, always. Uh, happy to do it. All right. Well, hey, I'm, uh, I was I was going to say, hey, do we want to wrap this up, or do we do we try to do we want to yeah. go a little bit light and bannery? I'm uh, I'm spent, man. <laughs> <laughs> these are exhausting. All right. Well, hey, if we're going to cut loose, I got to get this in real quick. Uh, hey, these days, uh, your house isn't just your home. Uh, it's an office, a school, a restaurant. We all agree about that. Uh, you need solid Wi-Fi in your whole house and everyone is so that everyone isn't working on top of each other. You need Eero. So Eero, an Amazon company, covers your whole home with fast, reliable Wi-Fi. 
It makes every square foot of your house usable by eliminating poor coverage and dead spots. Uh, you can be on a work call. The kids can be remote learning. Someone can be streaming videos all at the same time without any buffering. Bob, you and I have talked about this a million times with, you know, all the, you know, the kids streaming everything to their TV and their tablet at the same time. And, and it's just, it, it's a phenomenally easy setup and it's, it's just so good. Such a good I've system. Never rebooted them. They, Kind of do they themselves. do themselves, and that's the point. So, you know, Eero is fast and easy to set up. Plug it into your modem. You're good to go. Uh, you manage Eero from a simple app, and it really is a simple app. Uh, pause it for dinner. Get alerts if any device attempts to join your network. So here's the deal. We're asking a lot of our Wi-Fi. Eero can help yours do more. Go to Eero.com slash IT in the D and enter code IT in the D at checkout to get free next day shipping with your order. That's Eero, E-E-R-O dot com slash IT in the D, code IT in the D at checkout to get your Eero delivered with free next day shipping. That's Eero.com slash IT in the D and code IT in the D at checkout. Uh, as we always love to say, it is so easy, a Bob can do it. True story. <laughs> Big fans of the product, by the way. I, I, I use it too, and I, I do a lot of modeling with lots and lots of data from all sorts of different sources, and I have not had a problem. Oh, very cool. There you go. Yeah, they're, those are great. They are. Um, but hey, I'm, uh, with that being said, we're going to wrap things up for this episode 361 of the IT in the D show. I want to thank Fred Brown for his time. And for everything, for that matter, yeah. uh, fredbrown.com. On behalf of uh, Bob, Dave, and Randy, do us all a favor. Drink up your drinks. Get your phone numbers. You don't got to go home. You just got to get the hell out of here. See you next week. Drive careful. Beat it. See you guys. All right. Live is done.